Aloha. We're glad you've joined us for this Reunion Hawaii Church podcast. These teachings by our pastoral team are recorded live during our weekly services in Honolulu, Hawaii. We hope you will be blessed by this teaching. Um, 75 days ago, uh, Lahaina, Maui, was pretty much destroyed by a horrible, tragic fire. And we knew that there'd be a rush of uh, first responders, you know, FEMA, Red Cross, Samaritan's Purse, and all those people were going to rush in. And of course, our first reaction, everybody's first reaction is we need to do something. Let's do something. And um, we, Sam and I, had long discussions about this. And we realized that um, FEMA and the Red Cross and all those people would show up and they would have food and water and things. But it's 75 days later and a lot of them are, they're flying away, they're going away. And we decided that the Lord laid on our heart to do aftercare, which would be like, what happens when all those first responders get out of there and the people are still left devastated? And so with the help of our partners from our mainland Kogop, our denomination, family, their churches, and from generous local donors, we've raised, we got a slide for that, $14,875.85. For aftercare for Maui. And as some of you may have noticed in social media and on the news, there are families that are now being displaced from the hotels. They put some of them up in nice places and condos and hotels and stuff, and now that period of time is ending, and some of them are saying, okay, you got to go now. Well, they don't have any place to go. Um, they lost their homes, their cars, their jobs, everything. And so um, we have a trusted ministry partner on Maui that a lot of you, especially you Kingdom Living guys know, Made in Hope, good people, really good people. We've worked with them for years. And they're going to receive those funds, that $14,000 plus, and they're going to use that money to assist an organization called Hui Homes Maui. Um, And those folks are a bunch of construction workers who are building these tiny little shelters for displaced families just to provide a place for them to like leave their stuff and lock it up and and sleep in these are not long-term housing solutions it's an emergency respite while they recover and um, those little houses that look like that they're small and they're easy to build and they can put them on a small trailer and tow them behind a pickup truck and drop them off in places where they've got family or friends who'll let them put it in their yard and they're getting some other areas to drop these these shelters off and they currently cost about 3000 to 3500 each to construct all of the labor is being donated by by construction workers carpenters and and electricians and and people who are some of them are from the big island and Oahu and they're flying over there on weekends on their own money to go and build these houses for the people of Maui. And so our contribution is going to make it possible for maybe four families to have one of those shelters. And I wanted to thank you and honor you tonight for your generosity and your giving and your love for the people of Maui. So there we are. Um, so 
if you grew up here or you've lived here a long time, you know that um, Hawaii, Oahu particularly, is this very pluralistic society. You have friends, relatives, coworkers who are probably, you probably have, who are not Christians. And there's this concept in a whole lot of religious traditions that sounds kind of familiar to us as Christians. It's not exactly, but it sounds familiar. Uh, Buddhists and Hindus believe in something called karma. And it's usually stated, misstated, this is not really what karma is. But most people say, eh, what goes around comes around. You know, and that's the way they state karma. And the closest Christian counterpart to that concept is probably this. As you sow, so shall you also reap. That's kind of the Christian counterpart to that philosophical idea. The actual verse reads this, like this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. That's Galatians chapter 6. For those of you who have paper and ink Bibles and you want to follow along in your Bible, we're going to be in Galatians for a while. Galatians chapter 6. You've probably heard that last part, a man reaps what he sows. In discussions about finances, that's the way this usually comes up when somebody's preaching about finances or saying, well, you know, you need to give a lot because you, you reap what you sow. But, and it can be applied to finances, I know that, but that's not what it's talking about and that's not what we're going to mainly talk about tonight. That's this way broader application to every aspect of your life and your walk with God. And here's a little biblical tidbit, a little fact that you might not have really realized before. That principle applies to your personal walk with God, but not necessarily to our collective experience as the kingdom of God. And I, I'll, I'll get back to that. You know, put a marker on that. I'll get back to that a little bit later. I hope I'll be able to explain that. So let's just expand that passage in Galatians a little bit for some context here, starting in Verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Good verse. Let's just take it apart a little bit. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Don't fool yourself into believing that you can somehow trick God. Don't be playing games with God. You are dealing with the omnipotent, omnipresent, you know, the, the God who created everything. And there's no game you're going to run on God because he already knows. He knows what's going on. He's already like laid out a path before you, prepared the way before you. And if you like, yeah, I'm going to kind of fake it like I'm going this way, but really I'm going. That never works. God already knows. No matter what you think might happen, if you just go and live your life ignoring the Word of God and the will of God and the Spirit of God, 
If you think that's going to happen, no matter what you think is going to happen, God already knows. There is no possible way that you can do an end run around his plan for your life and pretend and fake it. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And it uses the word mocked. You know, has anybody ever made fun of you, mocked you? It's horrible. It's like, stop doing that. You think you don't like it. God really don't like it. He can't be mocked. You can't play that game with God. And then it goes on and says, a man reaps what he sows. Now, reaping and sowing are agricultural terms. Um, I personally do not have a green thumb at all. And you say, well, I went to your house, and your, your yard looks like, a, looks like a botanical garden, all those tropical plants and stuff. Right, the guy who lived there before us planted all that stuff. And thankfully, he chose a lot of plants that are pretty low maintenance, that don't require, you know, a lot of routine maintenance. And when they do need maintenance... Josue, who was standing up here playing guitar, <laughs> has a service. He owns a company called the Mobros. And the Mobros come over to our house and tend to that stuff because if I did it, I would kill every plant in the yard. I'm terrible at it. Uh, yeah, low maintenance. Got to be low maintenance. In our house, we have a lot of, uh, I don't know if you know these, you know, Target plants. They're like plastic, you know. <laughs> We got a lot of that stuff in our house. I don't know the Latin name of that, but Target plant. That's it, yeah. <clears throat> Chip and Joanna plants, right? Um, and those are really low maintenance. You just dust them every now and then. Um, uh, I do have a basic understanding of one thing about agriculture, though, in sowing and reaping. If you plant, for instance, a papaya tree in your yard, when you go out there looking for fruit, you expect to find what? Papaya. Because you planted a papaya tree, and so you expect to reap what you sowed. You planted this, you expect that. If you went outside in your yard and you found apples on that tree, you'd be like really confused. It would be like, where did that come from? I didn't plant an apple tree. You fully expect to reap exactly what you sowed. You expect to harvest what you planted. So that applies first in the natural, but then in the spiritual, as so many other things do. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. A lot of people seem to live by this mantra of, well, you know, do whatever makes you happy. And people go like, well, you do you. Don't do that. And don't live by what makes you happy. I've got to tell you, wise people know that sometime doing what makes you happy is a terrible idea. It is not a good plan at all. Because a lot of things that make you happy are way outside the will of God. We just sung a song in here. I heard a bunch of you singing it at the top of your voice that says, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. That's a dangerous prayer. I know because I prayed that prayer before. And the Lord took me some places that I didn't really think he was going to take me to do things that I didn't really think he was going to ask me to do. 
I, I hope you all meant it when you sang it because you were singing a prayer to the Lord. Okay, Lord, I'm all yours. I'm all in, 100%, everything. I'll go wherever you send me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I, I hope you really meant that. I know some of you here are with like maybe STN, YWAM, things like that, and you're, you're crossing some of those bridges now. At a young age, great. I pray that that's the truth. But some of us are, um, those of us who are old enough to be in the forerunners group, <laughs> people with hair, you know, with a little touch of white or gray in there, even if you try to color it and cover it up. Um, some of us have very likely prayed for crop failure in some of the things we sowed when we were younger. Did some stupid stuff when we were younger. I mean, like incredibly dumb stuff when we were younger. And prayed, Lord, please don't let me reap what I just sowed. Please, Lord, don't let me deal with the consequences of that. And, and that stuff was done in people who lack the wisdom that comes from experience. Many of us, many of you have planted some of the wrong kind of seeds. And now you hope that they do not bring forth fruit in your life. Anybody relate? Yeah. I'm just a few hands. I can't see much because of the lights here. But yeah. I have actually thanked God for unanswered prayers before. Lord, whew, thank you that you did not do that thing that I prayed for when I was way, way, way dumber than I am now. Because <laughs> my life would have been a huge disaster if you had answered that the way I wanted you. Now, he answered it. His answer was no. <laughs> you know, he answers three ways. He answers yes. Well, four ways. He answers yes, no, wait. And absolutely not. Um, sometimes that one sounds like he didn't answer the prayer. But it's just because we don't want to hear no when we pray. I have thanked God for unanswered prayers. And this business of sowing to the flesh. Look, I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you and tell you that sin can't be pleasurable. The Bible even refers to it, the pleasures of sin for a season. That, that phrase is in Scripture. You say, well, that person's that poor person. He's a sinner and he's miserable. Well, maybe not right now. He's probably enjoying it right this minute. He just hasn't reaped the consequences of his sin yet. At that moment, he's just partying and feeling no pain. But later on down the road, all of that will come back to just bite him. The pleasures of sin for a season, when that season's over we usually end up having to suffer the consequences of our sin or reaping the reward for our disobedience. Just, for example, a, a person who lives just to satisfy their flesh, sexual immorality, addictions, all of those things that, you know, make us temporarily kind of enjoying that kind of sinful lifestyle. I, I use the term flesh candy. That's just, it's flesh candy, you know. You're eating it, you like the taste of it right then, but it's not healthy for you. It'll kill you in the long run. That person can come to repentance, turn their life completely around, 180, I mean like just completely around, and live for Jesus, 
But still, sometimes they carry in their physical bodies the consequences of the damage that they did before Jesus. You can, you know, I don't want to pick on anybody's sin because, you know, we could make a list up here. But there's a guy in Kaneohe who walks around who has very sadly used meth for so long that much of his brain is just fried. Now, I would pray that he would come to accept Jesus and follow the Lord for the rest of his days. But unless God chose to just heal him miraculously and do a restorative miracle, he's done so much damage to his body that he's going to suffer with that for the rest of his life. You understand what I'm talking about? You can, you can live the pleasures of sin and you're, you're sowing seeds and some of those seeds have consequences down the road. Choose wisely. Think it through. Is that really what you want for your life? The next part of the verse, I, I didn't make a highlight for it, but it offers us the promise of a better way. It says, whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will receive eternal life. That's the sowing we want to do. We want to sow to the Spirit. We want to, Lord, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, we want that. Wherever you want me to go, Lord. I'm really comfortable here. I love it here. This is where I want to stay. And he goes, yeah, but I want you over there and he'll pick you up and stick you in some place that you feel like is a god forsaken you know in the middle of wherever name a state if i name a state i'm gonna offend somebody yeah <laughs> in the middle of whatever michigan ohio minnesota you know florida california wherever i'll name them all everybody be offended get over it okay just get over it he's gonna stick you somewhere that you did not plan to go and you're going to go, well, wait, what just happened here? And you said, didn't you just pray wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do? Well, this is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. Live it. Just do that now. So there are actually these two different applications of sowing and reaping in Scripture. The one for your personal walk and the seemingly opposite one for your kingdom life. Just as an example, in your personal walk, here we go. In your personal walk, you reap what you sow. Got that? That's scripture we got there. A man reaps what he sows. We just looked at that contrast between sowing to the flesh and sowing to the spirit. Flesh versus spirit. Just like farming, the, the seed planting process is not a one and done, though. It's not something you do and you never have to do it again. It's an ongoing process. My son owns a farm in Alabama. They have cows and chickens and horses, and they grow tea like you drink, tea plants. Not tea plants like tea leaves. The, yeah, tea plant. Uh, and it requires constant, constant attention. It's an ongoing process. And it can kind of be seasonal. So uh, I'll just give you a seasonal example. I, uh, Nina put me on the spot there earlier, but uh, she didn't know this was in my notes. Uh, went through some hard seasons where I felt like I was planting. I felt like I was watering. I felt like I was weeding and fertilizing and nurturing. 
and doing all I knew to do, but for long periods of time, just seemed to see no results at all. Some of you have done this. I know kids do this when they have a science project. You plant a seed, and they come back two hours later to see if it sprouted. You know? <laughs> Didn't sprout. They come back a day later. They don't see any difference. They get all frustrated. and They think, I messed this up. No, no, it's just it's a process. It takes time. you got to wait. Um, but I've planted stuff, gone back later, didn't see anything happening at all. Um, for years, for maybe a decade, which, I mean, some of you are way younger than me. A decade sounds like your entire life, but when you get a little broader perspective, it's a segment. And seeing literally nothing happen, and there are a few people in this room who are part of that process, plowing through some of that hard ground and, and butting our heads against the wall and not seeing anything done. But we knew that we had planted and we knew that we had watered and we knew that we had weeded and we'd done all this stuff. And here I stand tonight seeing some of the beautiful fruit of those years. And I'm thankful that the Lord's allowed me to hang around long enough to see the harvest time. Did I, did I do all that? No. No, I just happened to be the leader at the time when a lot of this was happening. But there are other people sitting in this room right now, some of the OGs from Reunion, I mean, way back, who those people planted and they watered and they nurtured and they weeded and they fertilized it with their tears and they, you know, and now they get to see you here Worshiping down front and rejoicing and growing in the Lord. Let us not become weary in doing good, but at the proper time we will receive a harvest if we do not give up. If things look hard right now, don't give up. Press through. If you're frustrated because you believe you're doing everything you know to do right, but you keep going back and checking the seed that you planted and you don't see any growth, you don't see anything happening yet, don't become weary in well-doing. Because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if it's conditional, if we don't give up. It's not a suggestion. It's not a wish. It's a hope. It's a declaration. We will reap a harvest. It doesn't say we might reap a harvest. It says we will reap a harvest. But it's conditional. If we do not give up. Some of you have been sick before. Like bad sick. And the night's always the hardest. Isn't it? The nights seem to go on forever when you're really, really sick. And then, you know... 5.30, 6 a.m., maybe the sun comes up and peeks through. And there's suddenly the new day starts and there's light coming through. And, and suddenly it all seems like I can, I can make it now. It's another day. I can make it. I can go another day. I can get through this. That's the way it is in your spiritual life. Sometimes the darkest time in your spiritual life is just before dawn, just before the sun comes up and, and reveals a new day. Don't give up. Don't give up. 
I just felt like when I was preparing this that there's people in this room, going to be people in this room tonight who are just this close to giving up. And I'm just telling you, don't give up. Hang on. Hang in there. There's a new day coming. The sun's going to come up again and shine new life and new light on you. And then the next verse starts with the word therefore. And those of you who know me know that when I see the word therefore, I ask, what is it there for? What is that word there for? <laughs> therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Therefore, if you want to reap that harvest that we just talked about, do good to the, do good to the nice people. <laughs> do good to your really close circle of friends. Do good to the people that are not weird. You know, do good to our people, but not those people. Doesn't say that. Let us do good to all people. When are we supposed to do that? As we have the opportunity. And you don't get off the hook by trying to avoid circumstances that might give you the opportunity you might even have to make the opportunity. But I love this because it talks about, first of all, it says to all people, look, there are people that I like more than other people. You, and you, you're the same way. There are people you're more comfortable around, the people that you, that you feel closer to. There are people that you relate to more than other people. There, and there are people that, let's be honest, if you're in, you're walking around in Target. I keep bringing Target into this. Why? <laughs> if you're walking around in Target and off in the distance, you see these certain person around there. You go like, "Ooh, I'm gonna go over here and look at this." <laughs> Pull your baseball cap down a little bit. Walk away. I don't really want to get in a conversation with that person. They're so odd. They're so weird. You're laughing because you know it's true. And some of you got a name. Don't tell you any name. Some of you got a name in mind right now. That person you want to avoid. But it's talking about as we have the opportunity. I'll, I'll give you a story about Amy's dad. Some of you knew Amy's dad. Gramps. Some of you knew Gramps. He was 88 years old. But for years, we would go visit him when he lived in Alabama. And if he took you anywhere, you got into his van, and it reeked. It smelled like gasoline because he carried five-gallon can of gas, a bunch of quarts of oil, water, and a toolbox in the back of his van. And he was looking for anybody broken down on the side of the road that he could stop at him. <laughs> but he lived to do that. That was, that was his greatest delight, was finding somebody broken down on the side of the road. Because he knew, I got gas, I got oil, I got tools, I got water. If the radiator's boiling over, I'm ready for this. He literally drove around looking for opportunities to do good. And I don't have any of that stuff in my car. And nor would I know what to do with it if, if I stop. I'm the guy that you see on the side of the road with the hood raised on a car and you're just in there staring to the engine. <laughs> yep, I think it's broken. Yeah. 
need to call somebody. You can use my phone. Uh, but he was literally all the time looking for opportunities to do good for people. He took this verse very broadly and, you know, lived it. That verse goes on to say, uh, and especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So let me just unequivocally say this. Um, reunion is not in competition with any other church or ministry on this island. We're not in any kind of competition. It's not us versus them. We're all in this together. We have blessed other churches and ministries and been blessed by other churches and ministries. We've given money. We've loaned them people and resources because we're all in this together. And they've done the same with us. There is a blessing commanded upon unity. And we want that blessing. Therefore, we want to do good as we have the opportunity, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. If another pastor calls a... Uh, this happens a lot. You know, some of you don't know this inside church management stuff. But we've done it, and we've had it done. We have called another pastor or texted another pastor and go, Hey, uh, we're doing communion today, and we just like looked in the box, and we got like 20 communion cups. You guys got any communion cups we can have? And I've literally had another pastor say, yeah, can you, you know where I live? Can you run by my house? I got, a, I got a box right here you can have. And then we got texted two weeks ago from these guys right here. Hey, uh, you guys got a box of communion cups in there. Can we bust into that box and use some? We're just short for the third service or whatever it was. Of course you can. Absolutely. We're not in competition with anybody. We're on the same team, people. Now, here's the thing I mentioned at the start. In our personal life, we reap what we sow. But in the kingdom, sometimes you reap what others sow. Because it's a team effort here, folks. One person plants. Another person waters. God gives the increase. You may plant something that you will never, ever see harvested on the other end. Drop back a couple of verses in uh, John 4. I I'll read a couple of verses leading into this. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. And in verse 36, picking up right here. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. In the kingdom, it doesn't exactly work the same way it does in your personal walk with the Lord. It works like this. I led this church for a bunch of years, but Sam is going to reap things that I sowed many years ago. I hope I'm around to watch some of it a lot longer. But Sam will reach up, and guess what? There's another generation coming up behind Sam. That was a generational transition from a 70-something to a 40-something-year-old. And right in this room, there are 20-somethings that are going to be the next generation that are going to raise up and lead this church into things that Sam and I can't even imagine God's going to do. 
And it's fine. One person reaps what the other person sowed. Verse 38, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Isn't that a beautiful thought? That you stand on the shoulders of giants right now. I stand on the shoulders of giants. There are people that came before me generations. I'm third generation Pentecostal Christian believer. My grandmother who lived to be 100 years old, was the first in our family, and she plowed ground that I am now planting seeds and harvesting from. That's the way this works in the kingdom of God. Others have done the hard work. You've reaped the benefits of their labor. That John 4.37 said, One sows and another reaps. In this matter of kingdom harvest, everyone has a job to do. One sows the seed, another reaps the harvest, but neither of them can do the job alone. Each person needs the other. I can't do what you can do. You can't do what I can do. We're not supposed to. You're supposed to do your part. I'm supposed to do my part. And God gets the increase. God gets the glory from it all. It's, it's not to our glory. It's to his glory. That's echoed in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, where it says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. Just real briefly, I'm going to kind of press through these in the interest of time here but I want to point out a few other things about sowing and reaping in your personal walk you reap not only what you sow but you reap where you sow where's your effort and, and I'm not criticizing some of these things I'm just telling you your priorities matter if you sow your life into a job or a career, you'll reap the benefits of promotion and advancement and financial success in a job or career. If that's where you put all your, that's where you put all your reaping, I mean all your sowing, that's what you're going to reap. If you sow into your family, you expect to see, reap the fruit of that. Uh, Amy and I sowed into our children, her more than me. She's much better at this than I am, this parenting thing. She sowed into our children, and now we're seeing the fruit of them. They turned out to be great people that I really love to be around. Tori and Josh are awesome. And Tori's pouring into Olive, who's the best of them all. <laughs> pouring into Olive. If you pour into your, you know, you get the fruit of that. If you sow up, some of you are very community-minded. You do stuff in the community. You'll, you'll reap something from that. You'll reap a better living environment. It's, it's good. But if you sow into the kingdom, if that's the most important thing in your life is, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to sow into the kingdom, you'll get a kingdom harvest. And that's the harvest. You're going to stand before the Lord someday. 
you're going to die someday, hopefully way long time from now, but you're going to die someday, and you're going to stand before the Lord. And how awesome would it be when you're standing before the Lord to have somebody else in line, and they tap you on the shoulder and say, I'm here because of you. I made it here because of the seeds that you planted in my life. We should be living for that. Now, you may not see the harvest in this life at all. There may be somebody that you're desperately praying for. God, reveal yourself to this person. If they only could see you the way I see you, they'd give their life to you. And you live and you die and you don't see anything happening. It's like that seed in the little science experiment. You know, you keep going back and it hasn't sprouted yet. Hasn't sprouted. But what you don't know is that, that you planted that seed and your friend has been watering that seed, praying for them encouraging them, speaking to them about the Lord. You didn't even see that part. Somebody else has been coming along, nurturing, pulling out the weeds that are trying to choke out that seed. You didn't see any of that. That's the way it works in the kingdom of God. Sam often reminds us to find out what God's doing in your generation and give your whole life to it. Find out what God's doing in your generation. And then give your whole life to that. I think that's a great way to live. So you reap what you sow, you reap where you sow, and you reap after you sow. Tori and I were just talking about this because we're planning something together and reminded of this phrase, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is now. You can't go back and undo what you did 20 years ago or didn't do 20 years ago. But you're in control of now. So the next best time is now. Sowing and reaping is not for instant gratification. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Think long term. Think eternity. Those of you who have small children know that a lot of what you're sowing into them right now will only result in a harvest when they're adults. Right now, it's just all sowing. <laughs> you know, everything is one way, and you don't see it until later in life. If you're sowing seeds into friends, families, coworkers, and you're just seeing absolutely zero results, do not become weary in well-doing. I'm totally convinced that you might not see some of that fruit that you're sowing until eternity. And that's okay. Because it's not your fruit anyway. It's his harvest. It's his fruit. You're just co-laboring with him, doing the part he's called you to do right now. You're planting seeds or watering or weeding. It's all his. None of this is about us. You also reap more than you harvest. More than you sow. Uh, 
Second Corinthians 9 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So that's the verse that you've heard used to talk about sowing and reaping in terms of money. But the principle can be applied to other things. Whoever sows sparingly in any area of your life, you're going to reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously in any area of your life will reap generously. It's not just about money. The law of reproduction says that you reap what you sow, but the principle of multiplication says that you also reap more than you sow. You put a kernel of corn in the ground. You don't get a kernel of corn back. You don't get an ear of corn. You get a corn stalk with multiple ears of corn on it, hundreds of kernels on each one of those ears. It's the exponential power that God's established in this whole principle of sowing and reaping. You always get out of it more than you put in. Always. So go all in. Put it all in. Proverbs 11.24 says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. That's from the message. Find out what God's doing in your generation and give yourself to it completely. Could you stand with me? We're going to close. I want to, uh, I want to pray for you, and then we're going to be officially dismissed. That means those of you who've got kids in kids' church, you need to go check them out so those people are not there till midnight tonight. And then the prayer team will be up here in the front for anybody who needs prayer for anything specific. But then if you have to go after this prayer, we completely understand. Feel free. I want to pray for you, though. Lord, I thank you for this assembled group of people who love you. They worship you with enthusiasm and abandon. And I pray that they will sow generously in every aspect of their lives. In everything that they do, they would go all in, not hold anything back, not try to deceive you, not try to play tricks with you, but I mean, lay it all on the line, wherever you want them to go, whatever you want them to do. I pray that everyone in this congregation will learn to do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers, and that they will start to look for opportunities, create opportunities. I pray that every person in this room will not become weary in doing well, but that they will do good things and not get tired of doing good things, even if it looks like it's always one way, if it's always going out, it's always pulling things out there, even if it's like that, Lord, that they would not become weary in, in doing good. I pray that every person in this room will sow to please the Spirit and from the Spirit reap eternal life and not sow to the flesh. And I pray, Lord, that every person in this room will find out what God's doing in their generation and give themselves wholly to it. And we pray this, we declare this, Lord. 
the precious name and the authority of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. For more teaching like this, subscribe to this podcast. If you would like more information about Reunion Hawaii Church, our website is reunionhawaii.com. If you're in Honolulu, join us Sundays at 5, live at Kahalama. Aloha.